Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 1st, 2013. We are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics. We are on page 55. And today we are in that second full paragraph. We're going to begin with, actually, we were fooling ourselves. The lineup for readers today is Katie, Kathy Kay, Gideoni, and Penny C. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, July 31st, is 4879. That's 4879. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Diane to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Diane from New Hampshire. Can I be heard? You can, my dear. You can. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, 12 12, um, steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, when direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a personal awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Diane. And now, Meg, just please read the 12 traditions. Are you there, Meg? How about Lois, then? Would you read the 12 traditions, Lois? I'd be happy to. Uh, Lois in in, uh, Massachusetts, um, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purposes, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters uh, uh, affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public con- controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media or communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Lois. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics. We are on page 55, and we are going to do the first, what, the second and third paragraphs together this morning, starting with, actually, we were fooling ourselves. And today I'd like to ask Katie to please get us started. Good morning. This is Katie. Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves, a miraculous demonstration of that power in human lives, are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. And these are two very powerful uh, paragraphs because it's basically... uh, tearing down the barriers, the last um, gasp of excuses that I had for why I couldn't recover, why my circumstances were different and God was done with me. Um, You know, all the calamity, pomp, worship of other things. Uh, You know, I thought I was too bad. I thought I had messed up my life too much. And um, besides, you know, I knew God, and he hadn't rescued me. 
so in all of that, I had to, I had to uh, surrender all those ideas of what I thought God was going to look like and look within myself and say, okay, obviously I have the wrong glasses on. I am not seeing this the way I'm supposed to see it. And I had to look inside and say, God, I don't see why you haven't helped me so far, but I'm willing to believe that you're going to help me right now in this moment as I face uh, this decision to either step forward and start working this program or continue to um, run on self-will, run riot. And, you know, this is what separates this program from any other diet club out there because it's not about, it, it's a byproduct that we lose our weight and we get to uh, buy a whole new wardrobe, but really it's about changing us on the inside. And what's on the inside is our relationship with God. And we have to look uh, beyond, you know, the calamity of our disease and then beyond the pink cloud of abstinence to what the rest of the work is about. And that's what this is teaching us, is that uh, if we stay stuck in that vicious cycle of calamity, which can follow us, even in abstinence. Abstinence is not, you know, the uh, end-all and be-all of our existence. It's our relationship with God that's going to change us completely so that we have a new way of living. So that then once you are... You know, we don't want to be, um, in AA, they call them dry drunks. We don't want to be, you know, stark raving abstinence. We want to be changed. And the only way we can change is by looking within us and surrendering to a higher power that will uh, lead us down that path through the steps so that we change. We can't, you know, otherwise, you know, that's why you see people come in, they lose weight, and then they just get so busy with their life. They just don't have time for all this stuff. Well, you know what? This life is this life. It's a new life. Your old life is gone forever once you pick up this spiritual uh, program. And, you know, I had to stop thinking about what it was going to look like, what my future was going to be, and just do the next right thing. And that's what this, these two paragraphs are simplifying it and saying, stop worrying about the calamity, stop worrying about, you know, your circumstances and just look within and look for a higher power to pull you out of that mud and mire and put you on a solid ground. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone Barbara. like to comment on these two paragraphs? Barbara? Follow me, Aisha. Uh, did I hear Barbara? Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater. It's wonderful to look at this this morning, the fact that I do have a higher power within me. Because I think that for me, my experience has been that that's at the heart of recovery. Because in disease, I was always looking out there for a higher power, whether it was food, which was the primary worship, or Going to Macy's and shopping, there's my higher power, there's my satisfaction. It's always out there. And in religious practices, it was always a God out there. I, I was always drawn to wanting that God within, and I never could have it happen. As I see it now, part of it was if I was so clogged with excess food and junk and then horrible emotions, anger, fear, resentment, all that stuff, that it's only in the grace of being desperate enough to come to this program and say, all right, tell me what to do. As it says, follow the directions in the big book, the guidance of sponsors, of other people. And then when a, an early sponsor directed me to read the appendix, one of the appendices, the spiritual experience, and I thought, wow. You know, it says we find that we've tapped in, as it says, an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power grade. I thought, wow, there is something in me that at 3 o'clock in the morning when the madness is upon me, 
I can call upon. I have called upon people in the fellowship who are, you know, 24-hour people uh, so that not to go to food and not to get horrible with fear. Um, but to to know I can go within. And, of course, the 12 steps foster that constantly as I practice the cleaning out and repractice and step 11 with prayer, meditation, and so forth. So having a power, you know, according to my own conception, it can be partially beyond me, partially in other people, but to actually have a higher power and a God within me is um, remarkable. And I think that's why, the, you know, it said recovery is an inside job because that's the heart of it. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And did I hear Paula? Hi, it's Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to share if I may. Thank you, Linda. Um, the thing that jumps out at me, good morning, everybody. I'm Linda from Connecticut, and thank God, and that's who I think I covered today. Um, the thing that jumps out at me from what I'm reading is that I remember way back thinking, Deep down within, the great reality, deep down within, I was an atheist. I uh, didn't want to be, but I was. I, I thought, well, look, I've been in here living in my body for 38 years, and I know what's in here, and it's bad in here, and there's nothing in here that's powerful, and this is ridiculous. But I uh, held on to this because it was my only hope, and I was willing, just willing, to take a leap of faith and see if maybe, maybe I could find this. I was pretty sure I could. By golly, guess who showed up? God, through this process, through this whole process. And it's ongoing because I need um, to know what the plan is, what love's plan is. That's my higher power. That's the nature of my higher power. What love's plan is for today. I have never lived a life in love before. So now I'm learning it, and it's fabulous. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, these these two paragraphs, especially in the big book, were were very meaningful to me. And it says, it starts us out with, actually, we were fooling ourselves. And I have to ask myself that question. Why were we fooling ourselves? Why were we fooling ourselves? Well, you know, we were fooling ourselves, if you're anything like me, because what else did I have? What else did I have? You know, this this whole chapter is, once again, I, in my humble opinion, a setup. It's such a wonderful setup because they keep asking us questions. They keep asking us to imagine life without faith. They keep asking us to look at our own histories and say, have you ever looked at a beautiful sunset? Have you ever looked into a face of a child that you cared about? Have you ever imagined a world where there was none of that underlying deep and profound feeling that you might have? And wasn't that God? Wasn't that faith? You know, they keep asking us these questions. Have, we, have you ever seen any kind of spiritual liberation? Have you seen it in other people? Maybe you didn't believe it was possible for you, but have you seen it in other people? You know, and so they keep asking us these questions and reassuring us that deep down in every man, woman, and child is that fundamental idea. But they also reminded me so clearly that mine was blocked. Mine was blocked by a hundred forms of fear. And I am so glad that they began pointing this out to me right here in this chapter when I was starting to search for a way out, when I was starting to be in that place where I knew I was desperate and doomed and done and you were giving me reasons to take heart You were giving me reasons in this big book to show me that you had found the way out and that you had found it through this God of your understanding and that there was a process, that there was a process. Trust the process. We've been hearing that a lot. Trust the process. 
the process of the 12 steps that was going to clean house, get me to a place where I could trust God and then help others and that that was going to be my way out. Because if I was really honest with myself, there were demonstrations. It says, for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives were facts as old as man himself. And if I was willing to start looking at the facts, I was going to see. I was going to see that there had been demonstrations of this very power all around me, all around me. And that it was in me to find if I worked the 12 steps. You know, so this great reality, I, I too think of it as love. You know, every day I can pray now, show me the ways of love. Because that's what I was blocked off from. And all I had was my own sense of myself, which was not enough, which was not enough. And so in the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found, deep down within us. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment? This is Sylvia and Leah. I heard Sylvia and Leah, and then we'll get to whoever else I heard. Marjorie. (laughs) Paula. Okay, we'll start with Sylvia. Hi, this is Sylvia, recovered compulsive overeater in uh, upstate New York, and I was, these two paragraphs are, have been so profound for me in finding my spirituality and my God. And when I first came in, and I had talked about this on Monday, that uh, the first thing I had to do is know that my higher power wasn't me. And that was a profound experience just in itself. It's just, I, there, I could look around in the world and see everything that I was not in charge of and couldn't control and then, you know, including my food. But I, there was so much more. And so that was a great relief to me. And then I could believe in God. And then I had to find God, even if I could believe, okay, I believe in God, but where is God? And so for a long time, you know, I had sponsors who were telling me, you know, get down on my knees and pray. And I found that that just didn't work for me. And, and I wasn't really uh, raised with a religious upbringing. And Maybe that's why, I don't know, but, you know, everybody said, get down on your knees. And it wasn't until I got to this paragraph where it said, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we had for friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us, and that is when... I said, oh, that is where my God is. My God is in my heart and my soul. And so I, it wasn't that I had to get down on my knees. I had to get to my heart and my soul. And, and in the last analysis, it was there that he may be found. It was so with us. And that was a great relief for me because now I had to quit looking outside of myself. It wasn't up in the skies and it wasn't, I didn't have to reach out. I had to reach within and it was that was a profound experience for me. And um, I love that I was directed to this. I was listening to one of the uh, OA Los Angeles speakers, you know, maybe three, four years ago, and I heard a speaker say that. And I love how I, I hear what I need to hear from all of you. This was before a vision started, and this was, this was a profound paragraph for me, and it is still so with me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured, and obscured means hidden, blocked, concealed, by calamity, by disaster, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there. Um, you know, an, an image that I often think of is that I'm, I'm like a vessel or a channel. And, uh, you know, life or God's grace or God's power has the ability to flow through this channel, through flow through me so that I can 
nourish, you know, others so that I can give, so that I can be open to receive his power, so that I can uh, live to the potential that God sees in me, and so that I can perhaps allow some of these strengths or powers that are God-given to flow out. But that power got blocked. It gets blocked with sludge of perceptions, with feelings, with calamities, with reactions, with resentments, uh, with fears, blocking me from the sunlight of the Spirit. And it's that impediment, it's that blockage that ensured my deterioration, it ensured my destruction, it ensured the darkness of my life. So, uh, it, you know, when it goes on to say, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. What do you think the inventory process is all about? This is exactly what the inventory process is all about. We, we are searching fearlessly. The inventory is a search for God. It's a search for God because God is within us. That's what was just stated, right? With few exceptions, our members find they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource. God is within us, but it has been blocked. So that's what the whole process and the urgency and the necessity of steps four through nine are all about. We're not there, but it is alluding to it. It says sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. Well, what is that search and how exactly do I perform that search? Well, that search is steps four through nine. That's what step four through nine is all about because step four, which is the first action step, and we're not there now, but it is telling you how to find the God that is within you because step four is simply about removing the obstacles, removing the barriers that obscure, that that block between God and you, God and me, the stuff that we need to get rid of. And that's why when we talk about step four, we don't talk about uh, our, our good things, although our good things obviously are plentiful in each and every one of us. We talk about the barriers. That's what we need to remove are the barriers. You know, it says we found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may found it was so with us. This is the message of hope. This is the miraculous demonstration that's being offered by those who are recovered. They are saying that since God dwells within them, he, can dwell with, he dwells within you too. And since God do, dwells within each and every one of us equally, we all presumably have the same potential, the same spiritual t- potential to be recovered, to seek these uh, these promises and to live a life that's happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leda. And who else um, helped me out here? Who else wanted to comment on these two paragraphs? Marjorie? Marjorie. Go ahead, Marjorie. Thank you. This is Amy. A compulsive and here. Amy. Paula. Marjorie and then Amy. And Paula. This is Marjorie, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. There are descriptions of me in these two paragraphs before and after. Before focuses on the idea of the idea of God. Actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. I had an idea of God. I'd finally been convinced by being in enough meetings, by hearing enough people, by seeing some minimal success in myself, that there was a power greater than myself. And I, and I used the word God. I had that idea. But then in the second paragraph, it talks about finding the great reality deep down within us. That sounds to me like an experience. At the beginning of the chapter, we agnostics, it talks about having an experience. There's an appendix at the end of the book, spiritual experience, and it talks about having a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening. 
there's a there was a difference in me between having an idea and having an experience or awakening and the result of having gone through the steps is going from having an idea to having the actual experience thanks for listening to me i pass thank you marjorie and go ahead amy Hi, I'm Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Good morning, everyone. I haven't shared on this meeting before. Um, and I, I was really moved in reading these two paragraphs and noticing that, <clears throat> excuse me, twice, twice the author uses the phrase deep down in the first line and then the third to the last line in that second paragraph. Twice that phrase deep down is used. Um, and the word fact or fact is in this paragraph, these two paragraphs, at least three times. Um, so that that was significant for me. Um, the sentence that says, for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. And I found that very reassuring and very helpful to point out that both faith and the demonstration of the power in which I would have this faith, have there there are facts that back up the rea- that reality, and that those facts are as old as man himself. And I started thinking about examples of <clears throat> I started I started thinking about examples of um, faith and demonstrations of that of that faith. And that, you know, people may try to explain it away. Well, you know, that wasn't God. That was, you know, medical science or whatever. But, you know, in my own personal theology, there's still room in there for the role of a higher power as being present in those in those facts and that those demonstrations, right? So things that can be observed, recorded, perceived. So that's really the difference. Faith is sort of the unseen, but then the demonstration is the seen. That would then qualify as a fact. Um, that was very, very helpful for me. I also really liked how in talking about deep down this fundamental idea of God, um, this great reality deep down, and that, you know, whether or not that means, you know, my my way of perceiving of that, but recognizing that it is within me that I find that reality. It is my own personal perception, my own experience with these facts, with these demonstrations, that I will then be able to to recognize the nature of this great reality of this of this idea of God, that is what is found deep within me. And as we've talked about many times, my own conception of that higher power is all that matters. But, uh, but the discerning part of of that, of those, the fact of, of what that is and how that operates in my life, that is what's found deep down inside of me. So I will pass. Thank you, Amy. And Paula, are you there, Paula? I am there, just in line, my friend. (laughs) Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. Thank you. I will keep it short, even though my trip to recovery was not a short one, may I add. Nor was my trip to find God. But look at what it says here, and I will read it as it's written. Beautifully, we saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup. It was who I was. And the way I was living was not congruent with who I was. It calls on just as much as the feelings we have for a friend. For a friend? What kind of feelings do you have for a friend? One attached to another by affection. Honey, I wasn't running to God. I was running from God. You know, we see, as was so beautifully shared yesterday on page 12, for a brief moment I had needed and wanted God. This is Bill talking. Yet I could come here. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me. And he came. Look at when he came to Bill. So early in his life. Look at the length of his life before he finally realized. But what happened here? But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors. 
mostly those within myself. Did we not just read about worldly clamors, obscured by calamity, by pomp? Oh, yeah, look at who I am. Look at what I can do. Oh, that self-sufficiency. By worship of other things, oh, honey, let me tell you, if worship is given time, money, your very life, then that's what this disease, that is what I did. That is who and what I worship. But then it says here so clearly, worldly clamors. So what is going to quiet the worldly clamors? The steps. What is in the steps but God himself? God himself in the steps. And then it goes on. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. But he was there. There it is. He was there. He always was. I just didn't know. I didn't know or I didn't want to know. He was much a fact as we were. Oh, am I real today? Today I live a real life. And I'm going to end it there. We found the great reality, a state of being real. Today I am real. I am real today. Deep down within us, so deep, so deep. And the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. I looked everywhere else except within, as also was shared. It was so with us. It doesn't say with me. It says with us. And I thank you for the us in this program. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else care to share before we move on? This is Chaya. Go ahead, Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. This is Chaya, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic. Very grateful to be on the line this morning. You know, as we were reading this, I, I was one of those people when I came to Overeaters Anonymous who had to actually, <laughs> really, I was one of those 50%, they say, who were agnostic. And um, so these words were very, very... Um, helpful to me. But as we were reading this morning and people were sharing, what I was thinking of is in the doctor's opinion, which we read, you know, a month or so ago. And the doctor, the leading medical professional, speaking for many medical professionals in in the field of alcoholism, says, um, you know, you can rely on anything that they say about themselves. That's what he says here. You can rely on anything they say about themselves. And so what they've been saying about themselves over the last few chapters is, you know, th- this kind of thinking has to be abandoned, that we, that we have to smash home, that we can never drink again or for us never eat our binge foods again. And now they're saying in the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So they're here, the leading, in, in, in the doctor's opinion, the leading expert in alcoholism is saying you can rely on anything they say about themselves. And what they're saying about themselves right here, the we, the we, I didn't realize this for many, many years in a way, that the we in the book is the first hundred recovered alcoholics who went through the experience. Half of them were atheists and agnostics. And now they're saying in the last analysis, clearing away the, the calamity, clearing away the old ideas, clearing away the obstinacy, the defiance, the denial. In the last analysis, that great reality is deep down within us. It's there. There's where he can be found. And it was so with us, us, us recovered alcoholics, half of which were agnostic or atheists when we came here. So... It just made, I just made that connection this morning. You can rely on this. If you have the disease of compulsive eating, if when you, honest, when you eat, you cannot stop, or when you stop, you cannot stay stopped, you're probably suffering from you know, an illness with only a spiritual experience can conquer. This is what the book says. And that doctor says rely on anything they say about themselves. So they're telling us that if we have these things, we're going to need a spiritual experience. And now they're telling us, guess what? Don't worry about it. That spiritual capacity, that potential is deep down within you. you don't ha- we're not tapping into the full power of it right now. We're just glimpsing that, that it's there, the willingness to believe that it's there. And then as was stated earlier, you know, 
through the process of the 12 steps, which you actually take, like, you know, when there's a direction, stop, do it, right? And when you're finished with the direction, go to the next piece, right? There's very specific steps to take and continue to take once you've um, recovered. When we take that, that's what clears out all that stuff that is covering um, that reality great uh, deep within. So if you're, um, you know, if you're a compulsive eater and you want to recover, I hope you'll trust us and rely on anything we say about ourselves when it comes to uh, this program. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Haya. Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kathy Kay, would you read that for us? Thank you, Janice. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. We can only clear the ground a bit if our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself. Then, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. So this paragraph reinforces the two paragraphs before. Um, And I must say for myself, I had to um, read this page and those before and after a number of times before I had enough willingness and honesty to search within myself for a higher power. Um, It's really uh, quite amazing to me that um, although I thought I was studying the big book uh, a number of years ago, I still had so much calamity and fear inside of me that um, I was distracted by worldliness. I was distracted by my own negativity, I was distracted by a hundred forms of self-will, and it was only by listening to all of you and also having a sponsor who guided me through the steps um, that I was able to clear away the wreckage of my past. Um, And I am finding even today... uh, um, living in steps 10, 11, and 12 that uh, frequently um, feelings and fears come up which can block me from God. Um, and at least uh, I'm so grateful now that I have the tools that are presented to us here in the step uh, to continue to sweep off my side of the street so I can reconnect Uh, with my higher power, who is deep within me. I started out 20 years ago as an agnostic, had been an agnostic for the first 40 or so years of my life, and it took me quite a while um, to really give up my own ideas and embrace these new ones. So um, I hope that I can offer hope to anyone who continues have difficulty grasping this idea of a great power within us. Um, it does come with willingness and honesty and openness. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? <clears throat> Go ahead, Bella. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overreader. Thank you very much for leading this meeting, and thank you very much for everybody that is on the meeting. Wow, thank you, God, that I am in the program. And this paragraph is so much uh, powerful because it's with hope. It's only you hear in this paragraph hope. Before we were busy with finding ourselves uh, our belief and every new thing it's a little bit scary a little bit you know we are not sure if this is the right way even though we think so and you know when we start a new thing we are not so sure so we are doing a very not in a secure way we are like walking on 
Excel, and this is a hope. You know, even though you are not sure yet if, if your belief is the right thing, even though if, if it's very new for you that uh, uh, we need a spiritual uh, power and we, we believe in a higher power, even though, you know, there is a hope, there is a solution, and it says you will never fail. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a very encouraging paragraph. You know, it's a new thing. Yes, it's a new thing. And you might be a little bit afraid and a little bit scary and a little bit not secure, but you will never fail. It's a hope. It gives a power to, to try to believe in this new way. And we hear so many stories about the recovery people that you see it's true. It's not, it's not only a sentence that it's written on the book. Yes, it's for real. You will never fail. If you follow up the direction of this book, you will never fail. Thank you very much, and with this I will pass. Thank you, Bella. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. We can only clear the ground a bit. Well, who is that we? Those first 100 recovered alcoholics who were, who were writing down their experience for us, they were saying very clearly, we can only clear the ground a bit. We can only help you find your way a bit by telling you our story, by pointing out to you how it's worked for us. And they did it because it helped them. They did it because helping others was a way they could keep it for themselves. So they say, you know, we can't do the whole thing for you, but we can clear the ground a bit. We can clear the ground a bit by sharing, by telling you our testimonies, our stories, what worked for us. And, and people in whom the problem had been solved are pretty amazing to hear and to see. If you're anything like me, those people standing there with their eyes shining, they had been where I had been. They had lost their minds. You know, that's what happened to me. I lost my mind. I lost my mind. I was stuck in the insanity. I, when, I, when I picked up the food, there was no turning back, and I couldn't stop. And when I did try to stop, I couldn't stop myself from starting again. I was in the insanity of the disease, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. And it repeated itself over and over and over again until I lost my mind. And these people were standing there telling me that if you do what we did, perhaps it will work for you too. And if, if what our testimony shows sweeps aside some of your prejudice and enables you to think more honestly because honesty, rigorous honesty, was what was going to be required here for me to see myself clearly. And if it encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then perhaps you can join us on this broad highway. You can join us on this road to recovery. You can trudge this road of happy destiny with us. And with this attitude, they say you cannot fail. Well, what attitude is that that they're talking about? That attitude of gratitude, that attitude where I was not the end-all and be-all, that attitude that was so full of self-sufficiency and isolation. My mind was being cracked open here. That mind that I had lost was being cracked open by those in whom the problem had been solved, and they were showing me. And they say very clearly, the consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. It might not be all there yet. It might not be all there yet, but the consciousness, the unfolding of that belief, I was reassured would happen for me just the way it happened for them. If I trusted the process, if I worked these steps as if my life depended on it, the consciousness of that belief that was deep down within me would unfold. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Penny C. Hi. Go ahead, Mr. Penny. Hi. Good morning, Penny. everybody. Penny C., recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts. 
the theme that I see through this whole chapter is be open-minded, you know, have an open mind. And this little paragraph is, is telling me just that. It's saying, get rid of you, if you can, if you can get rid of your prejudices, if you can be honest, and if you can, if you're willing to search diligently, excuse me, that's the way to an open mind so that, that you can be a sieve to accept these, these um, ideas of a higher power and the conviction that there is a higher power that lies within that can restore us to sanity and can help us recover from the, the disease we, we all share. So then I see another promise. The book is full of promises. So that if you have these, these qualities, if you have this attitude, you cannot fail. Cannot fail. Why wouldn't I buy into that? If it's promising me this, and now these many years later, after this first 100 saw this, this many years later when we know that there are millions of people around the globe who have done just that and, and who have, have recovered, then why wouldn't I buy into this? That, that's, that, this chapter, this little paragraph, this one sentence, get this attitude and you can't fail. Why wouldn't I do that? It's just, it just makes sense. And with that, I pass. Hi, thank you, Penny. I heard this is this is Amy. Amy, I heard Amy. Go ahead, Amy. You're next. Uh, good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. The sentence here: If you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. I think this is alluding back to page 46 at the bottom of the paragraph that says, "We found that God does not make too hard turns with those who seek Him." To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive, forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. I think what we're trying to say here and what we're coming to at the conclusion of this chapter to the agnostic, which is are we going to accept the great reality, what they've been talking about in paragraph after paragraph, is that we all truly have a capacity for faith, if we'll honestly look at ourselves, and I can say from my experience that I, I had a great capacity for faith. I just put faith in a lot of things that were not dependable and faith in things that, frankly, were killing me, like the food and the compulsive reading and faith in other people, things that were not dependable. And yet I hear these testimonies, and they're telling me, and they're sharing, saying we, as others said, we have shared their miraculous demonstrations and facts that you cannot fail if you are willing to change your attitude, let go at least of your own ideas and think about the ideas that we're sharing in these ideas. I mean, in this book, the ideas we're sharing in this book, the instructions in this manual, that we have that deep down, that capacity for faith. So the great reality right here for me is the question I have to ask myself. Am I going to continue to deny and delude and defy what I see as facts for these people in front of me who have recovered, or am I going to be willing to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity, the essence of step two? Am I going to be willing to do that? And they're only clearing the ground. They're saying you can come to your own conception, but all it's going to start with is an open-mindedness and a willingness to say, are you going to defy? Are you going to continue to defy and delude yourself into thinking that there is nothing out there, that there is nothing to believe in, that there is nothing greater to, than you to try to fix this disease? Because if that's what you're thinking, it's what I was thinking before I came to the program, then it's hopeless. Then I am hopeless. A seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And yet here are the miraculous demonstrations and the instructions in this manual that says, we do have a capacity for faith. We do have the ability to recover and be recovered if we are willing to take certain steps. And that starts with this, with step two, saying I do believe that there is something out there greater than me. If I pull it from within or I pull it from without, it doesn't matter as long as I'm willing to be open to it 
and then dig into the rest of the steps. The rest will be revealed. They've only cleared the ground a little bit, but that's okay. The higher power is your own conception. It's my own conception. It may be yours. It may not be mine. It doesn't matter as long as I'm willing to go ahead and step forward into this. And that's all we need to do. It's broad. It's roomy. It's inclusive. With that attitude, you cannot fail. We can be recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. I heard it, Amy, but there was someone before it, Amy. Are you there, Adini? You want to go ahead? Yes. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Edini. Gratefully recovered. Thank you, God. What resonates with me here is to think honestly. So if I'm not, if I'm dishonest, then I believe and depend on my own lies, and I'm fooling myself, and the truth gets lost, and then the lies become my truth. So to be honest is getting closer to God. But if I believe in my lies that I'm not honest, I'm moving away from God, away from the truth, the truth that can really set me free. And this is about doing what, what's right in God's eyes. Having this kind of attitude is um, it, it's going to give me the promises that can only succeed and never fail. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. We have time for one more share before we close. Is there anyone who would like to comment? Hi, this is Dina. I'd love to comment. Go ahead, Dina. Hi, this is Dina, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just wanted to comment on this one idea of the consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. It was something that I've always owned. It was something deep inside me. And I remember early on in my recovery, when I was trying to figure out how does working these steps, how does going to these meetings, how does what I put in yield the gifts that are so much greater? In, I just thought it was exponential gifts in my life. And I knew that what I was doing was not bringing that to me. But it was an experience of what I thought, gifts from my higher power, gifts from my higher power. This is unbelievable. And then I realized that the answer is in these paragraphs. It wasn't something I needed to bring into myself. It was the great reality that was always deep within me. It was the, my own God consciousness that was brought forth. But it was, it was me becoming conscious of what I've always had inside of me. And that was the way that by me taking off the debris from the top, just opening up the top of that well, taking away the pomp, the calamity, the worship of other things. When I removed those things through working the steps, outburst the well of spirituality, that great reality, that belief that was always within me. And that's how I, I actually felt in my bones this truth coming true for me, um, because it was always there. That I'll pass. Thank you, Dina. Thank you to everyone who shared today. Thanks to all my readers, to Diane for doing the 12 steps, and Lois for doing the 12 traditions, and to Katie, Kathy Kay, Irini, and Penny C for being readers today. Now we will close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Irini, would you be available to read that for us? Yes, yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Thank you, Irini. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you 
and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.